G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Morena, New Zealand, and good morning to you all. Start of uh, a new week here and uh, a good chance for us to review what uh, happened over the weekend, and there was plenty of it. So uh, we're going to start this morning with uh, the man himself, Matt Henry. What a test match performance. Uh, We'll talk to Matt about that and the prospects for the second one, of course. Uh, Should have been going to work today. They should have been finishing uh, that test match day five. She had about two and a half days off. Incredible. Uh, Chris Porteous is the mum of Nico and Miguel. Very, very proud. Probably the proudest woman in New Zealand as we speak. We'll we'll talk to her just after 9.30. Grant Nisbet, of course, uh, rugby's back, which means Nisbo's back. It's as simple as that. Uh, Just after 10 o'clock about uh, happenings, events over the weekend, performances, etc. Jamie Wall uh, and Pat McKendry will be the panel at 10.23. And we must be getting close to the league season, surely, because Vossi's in. Back after 11 o'clock, Andrew Voss is back, the voice of Rugby League uh, on uh, both sides of the Tasman, uh, back in his normal slot at 11 o'clock on a Monday, a stump smithy as well. So, yep, a pretty busy and uh, good reviewing type program. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, arise Sir Nico, New Zealand's latest sporting sensation. X Games form is good form. We know that now. In the Summer Olympics, we thrive in the boats. In winter, we saw through the air. And just how damn cold was it? And just how damn bruising and downright dangerous was it? Nico got the gold, the Americans the next two. But honestly, everyone that fronted up to that half-pipe start and took it on deserves a medal. It was brutal, absolutely brutal. A real lesson for all of us in digging in, gritting the teeth, and just getting on with it. So were you watching South African cricket team? Were you? As good as the Black Caps were clinically, so as inept were the Proteas. A team, a shadow of the teams that have gone before, protecting an unbeaten legacy. Could hardly have been more one-sided. Incredible how Tom Latham's 11 could go from one of our worst defeats in history to one of our most dominant in such a short space of time. Stepping out and stepping up, doing your job and doing it well. Latham is clearly a good leader, so looking down the line, we certainly have that covered, especially with his bowling arsenal. So complete is that unit that Trent Bolt may have had the call to stay home already. I mean, who do you leave out? Wagner and Henry, 107 runs between them. South Africa, 95 and 111 and two entire turns. Not exactly gifting New Zealand the test, they don't need any help at Hagley, but gifting the groundsman an extra two and a half days to come up with the goods again. Time to find out where you're off stumpers, fellas. Show some good old bocker ticker. Otherwise, it'll be wheels up early, and this Black Cap squad will carved off another chunk of their own history, and holding on to the mace will become a real goer again.
Well, today was supposed to be day five of the first cricket test between the Black Caps and South Africa, but instead, <coughs> excuse me, both teams have had their feet up since uh, lunchtime on Saturday as New Zealand won the match at Hagley Oval in just seven sessions. Amazing. Plenty of people contributed. Henry Nichols uh, with his eighth test century. Tim Southey with fourteen uh, five-wicket bag. But the man of the match due to his nine-wicket haul and seven in the first innings and his unbeaten half-century was that man, Matt Henry, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Matt. So... Uh, some bonus time uh, at home with the family. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, it's uh, lovely, lovely to have a couple of extra days and, and put the feet up. Uh, mate, this is a great story. I mean, you quite often come in and just wait for your opportunity, wait and wait and wait, and uh, uh, this time you, you took it. I mean, this is a pitch that you hadn't, in test cricket anyway, hadn't gone exactly right for you. What was the difference this time round, do you feel? Um, oh, look, I think the approach is the same as any test and I think you just want to, every time you don't play, you just want to keep making sure you're growing as a player and getting better and, and thankfully when I had the opportunity this time I was, I was ready and um, yeah, it came out great, um, but yeah, it was, it was great to have obviously the, the reward as well at the end of it. Uh, I mean, you had, uh, you're gifted the opportunity to bowl first uh, quite often. Uh, sides do that and uh, don't relish that opportunity. They kind of feel it just will happen. It's just a case of running in. Clearly not uh, in your case with that with yourself in that bowling unit. What did you need to focus on that very first morning? Yeah, you're right. It's always great when you do get the chance to bowl first at Hagley. And I think being your home ground and, and understanding the conditions and how you operate there as well was, was always helpful. And I just knew that it was going to be important to just make sure that I keep him playing and and making sure I was just creating enough questions because there's enough here for for the ball to do the work, but you just obviously got to be getting them to um, have to make the tough decisions and, and, and a lot of them. Seven for 23 in the first innings, uh, tied equal third ever best bowling performance by a New Zealander. Uh, equal with the great man who was, uh, I understand, at the ground. Did you manage to, to catch up with uh, Sir Richard at all? Yeah, pretty pretty surreal and, and special to share that with Sir Richard. Um, well, we were in a bit of a bubble, uh, so we, could, we couldn't go see him, but it was, it was lovely. He sent me a really nice message, and uh, which was special, just to congratulate me. And um, So that, that was, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Not content with that. Uh, you had to go out and smash 58, not out, eight fours. Uh, what's the story there, man? Yeah, I, I think batting's always been an important um, aspect of I suppose all the bowlers we, we, we do pride ourselves on scoring runs down that bottom end and um, having, having the opportunity to bat at 11 was, was quite nice, didn't have to overthink things um, and yeah it was just great to be out there, I think it was pretty clear when we did have a chance to bat to just take it as deep as possible and you know you've been in those situations in, within the field and the longer you keep them out there the harder it gets as well so to be able to put on a last wicket stand like that I think really um, well I suppose it really helped us in that um, getting those wickets that night as well you're not an 11. You're nowhere near an 11. So did you, did you take umbrage? Were you a little bit upset at seeing that up on the board, Matt Henry, at 11? Oh, look, uh, you can't get too, too angry at those things. But, yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a, uh, a pleasant surprise. Actually, it was quite nice to bat down at 11. <laughs> Don't want to make too much of a habit of it. But, um, no, it was, it was, it was good. You, when, you, when you come off, you don't need to worry about your batting for a while. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's just probably a... Obviously, a positive just where our bowling group is with the bat as well. Everyone's doing great. I mean, Waggy batting at five was was good to see. So, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was, no, I, I think it was it was great to get those runs. And 
I think, like we said, we, we do pride ourselves on, on getting those, getting the, the tail to wag. Tell us about your bat. Is that your favourite? Yeah, no, it is. Oh, it's funny you say that. It was, um, it was great to get those retro stickers. I had a bubble back in the day as well. So uh, when the opportunity came to get one myself, it was a bit nostalgic, actually, when you got that in hand on the first few nights. I think Holly, my wife, was wondering why my cricket bat was in the lounge all the time. But <laughs> it's probably the most shadow batting I've ever done. <laughs> oh, look, here's, uh, here's another stat. First cricketer in the history of test matches to take seven wickets and score a half century batting at number 11. Number 11 in the same innings. I mean, the history just keeps rolling on in, man. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it is pretty crazy. And I think that's where it takes a few, few days for these things to settle in because you don't win. You know what it's like when you're out there playing. You're just focusing on what you can do, and 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 those um, those records and things that are probably not in the forefront of your mind. So didn't quite uh, grasp, I suppose, what how it all um, sat in the piece piece of all the, all that history. So it was quite cool to come off and 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 get those accolades. So Matt, what what did uh, their top order, their middle order, not do uh, that ours did? What do you notice between the two batting approaches that? enabled us to do so well and them not to learn from it even in the second time round. Are they are they finding it very hard on that pitch for any particular reason? Oh look I think uh, from a bowling point of view it's we, we just managed to bowl well at both ends for a, for a long long period and I think that creating that pressure at both ends resulted in, in the way that we took wickets and like I said when we come to here to Hagley we know how to bowl and operate as well so we have that confidence in knowing our plans and, and sticking to them well, and I just thought we, we we did that very well. And then with the bat, we knew that 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 morning was going to be a crucial morning for us, and and the way that our top order negated the movement and and, and dug deep, I suppose, and and got us to a position where late in that day too we could we could score runs. And um, so I, I just think from an all-round point of view, it was, it was a really strong performance from our batting lineup too. Not only that, uh, you must have great faith in those behind the wicket. So many uh, opportunities you created mm. went behind the wicket and the, the catching, etc. Um, as is pretty much always the case, was very good. Yeah, it was. You're right. When you get the, the opportunities, you, you need to take them. And I think that, that showed as well when you talk about a complete performance that, that includes the field. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant. And, and you're taking those chances and half chances. It makes such a difference. You just get that momentum swing and you can really put teams under the pump. So... Yeah, it was really great, and, and we're under no illusion that it was just the first test match that South Africa, that they, they'll come back, they'll be better, they'll be stronger, and, and, and we, we know we're going to have to bring our A game on Friday. You're quite unique, Matt Henry. I've got to say this. Uh, I've I played with a lot of cricketers in my time that uh, when they were not included in the playing 11, uh, tossed their toys and, and really got a bit sick of the game, and some even went and tried something else. But that's never been the case for you. What is... What is this uh, continual hunger you've got and your, this amazing patience you've got to wait your turn? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it's easy. It's not easy when you, I mean, you grow up as a kid, you always really want to play for New Zealand and there's always going to be hurdles and, and whatnot and you, you know you buy your time. But um, I, I think from my point of view, is you're right, you, you see people come and go and um, the way that, yeah, I suppose, the outlook on you have on it and, and how that affects your preparation, your game, and, and when you do get the opportunity not being ready. So from, from my point of view, it's actually just, um, I, I think you just got to understand why the decisions are made, and at the end of the day, those those ones are out of your control, and we've 
we're in a, a great period. We've got so many classy bowlers and, and quite a settled squad as well. So um, it's not going to be easy to, to break in, but I, I, I guess I can't worry about that too much. Um, I've just got to keep on focusing on just trying to get better and, and enjoying my cricket because it, it is tough. And I think county cricket's been great for me when um, right in the, the, the pine for a, for a long time and you don't play that much cricket, you can go over and, and play some cricket in England and, and get that game time under the belt and put those lessons into practice as well. And yeah, just keep keep trying to get better so you're ready for that opportunity when it does come. The unusual thing about uh, this cricket team at the moment is because of the depth of, of bowlers that we've got uh, and the pitches we play in uh, are so vastly different sometimes from those uh, we encounter overseas. Uh, it doesn't matter how good you are, there's no guarantee about uh, what's happening next time around. I only ask, have to ask Ajaz Patel about that. So uh, have you even thought, begin to th- think about uh, the second test? Are, are they talked at all about the, 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 you know, the make-up for the side yet? Uh, no, not yet. I mean, um, well, I'm sure all those discussions will be had and, and we'll find out more at trainings. But like, like I said, it's probably following on that question before as well. I, I think you just can't worry about that that side of it. Um, you can only really control what you're doing and and, and, and just embrace that. And, um, yeah, what will happen on Friday will be. And, um, well, I'm definitely looking forward to the challenge um, regardless. OK, so going into this next test match, I want to talk about the conditions now. Matt, you would have been... I suppose from time to time, just giving a, a cursory glance at, at the pitch that has been lined up to be the second test uh, pitch, um, how was it? Mm. How was it aging um, during the limited time that you did play next to it? Yeah, well, um, as, as you know, with, with the beautiful Garden City, we had so much sunshine last week, which was um, which was great. It was great to play in warm weather, but at the same time, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that would have. Um, um, impacted that wicket but in terms of um, how it's going to perform the Hagley ground staff are they're, they're a really strong unit and they, they know what they're doing and I'm sure they'll have no issues um, producing uh, whatever surface that they're, they're wanting to do it's always a great wicket at Hagley and, and consistent at that as well Well they've got another two and a half days effectively, I mean that test match mm. finished so, so early, was he watering uh, did you notice or you, you guys would have been buried in the dressing room I guess you had to do a bit of media work did uh, was the hoses on straight away? I mean, it, it, it added to it's added to his preparation time, particularly in terms of perhaps getting a bit more water into the surface than normally he would. Yeah, I mean that would be an absolute, um, I suppose, blessing of God for them. Really, the, the fact that you've got an extra two days means they can prepare it and um, just have that extra time, like you said, whether it's putting water on it or putting under covers or however they want to prepare. So um, I'm guessing they would they'll enjoy those um, extra two days and. Yeah, look, I've, we've got all faith in that they'll they'll produce another wicket that they that they'll be proud of. Um, what are you expecting from South Africa? I mean, uh, you you guys were great; uh, they were awful by their own standards. Uh, I would imagine you're expecting something a bit different next time round, aren't you? Yeah, of, of course, and I think we're we're also under no illusion. I mean, it's happened to us in the past as well. So you know that um, it's one game, and that moving forward when you you play a class side like South Africa, that they will um, come back stronger and better and, and um, we're, we're definitely expecting that. Have you mapped out uh, your next 12 months in cricket, uh, Matt? And, I mean, yeah, obviously you'd like to be part of the New Zealand squad going around, but what about around the peripheral areas? Uh, have you mapped it out? Yeah, it's always challenging in um, this COVID period. Uh, so, uh, like for me, I... April, May was, was one that I always wanted to have a window off, so I put no cricket there um, for myself and 
have that time just to freshen up and um, which will hopefully be a busy winter. We've got the series over in England and then there's future tours as well. So I've been in contact with Kent um, with some, some cricket over there as well um, in the back end of their season with four days and, and one day as well. So um, plenty of options, but like I said, it's always uh, pretty challenging, especially with the, the climate, current climate we're in. Uh, there's constant tours being moved and changed and um, kind of where you're going to be with isolations and all sorts. So it's kind of, you just got to roll a little bit, be a little bit more flexible now. Well, Matt, uh, it's been great uh, chatting to you. Fantastic performance, absolutely wonderful performance uh, on uh, that first Test match um, and uh, to be right up there at the top with uh, that great uh, other Cantab bowler is, is something special you'll have uh, for your life, for the rest of your life. So well done on that. Um, I'm, I'll be amazed if they don't pick you in the second one. I will be absolutely amazed. There'll be a lynching party down there at Hagley Oval, I would imagine, uh, even though Gary Stead's one of your own. Uh, so I think you probably, uh, I mean, the, the Cantabs stick together. To be fair, the, the Cantabs stick together, so you're pretty safe, aren't you? Oh, you can't go and say that. Um, <laughs> no, look, <laughs> no, look um, like I said, like, we'll, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, at, at the moment, it was, it was a great test win, and, and we're looking forward to the, the extra extra few days for us to prep as well. It means we've got um, a few trainings in there, and, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, that's no, all good. Good on you, mate. Uh, as always, um, very, very circumspect and very uh, calm and cool about your performance. Well done. Uh, I'm a bit more excited than you. Uh, ha- have a great week. Sure. Have a great week of preparation, mate. Have a great week of preparation. No, I really appreciate um, it, look forward. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Good on you, Matt. Thank, Thank you, you very much for your time. Bye. Matt Henry there, folks, uh, the hero of the first test. Uh, setting it up for New Zealand. You, you don't always win a test on the first day. Uh, but you go a long way towards winning a test match with a performance like that. And uh, right from that point there, he was always going to be man of the match. 7 for 23, set New Zealand up to win the test match. Uh, everything else that uh, went after that was just um, icing on top, as they say. But uh, that was that performance on day one uh, that set New Zealand up to go 1-0 up. So I guess that's a nice little topic, isn't it? Uh, double eight, double three uh, for one of them anyway. Uh, who do you leave out? Does uh, Trent Bolt come in? If Trent Bolt comes in, he's got a great record at Hagley as well. If Trent Bolt comes in, uh, who do you leave out of that test side? That's incredible uh, to think that that would happen. Um, you know, everyone played their bit. Everyone played their bit in that test match. It was a complete, it was a really complete performance. So who's the unlucky one in your respect? Uh, and also, of course, first weekend of Super Rugby. Uh, did you see anything to suggest that it won't be same old, same old? Uh, Crusaders winning. All the favourites winning across the board. Actually, it was a very easy weekend to pick, wasn't it? Pick winners and losers. So uh, what did you see over the, the weekend uh, that suggests anything other than normal transmission is resumed in rugby? 9.22 here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 9.27. I'm telling you right here and now, uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen this before, but the New Zealand women's football team are down 2-0, uh, and that is after five and a half minutes of play. Now six minutes 45 gone, they're down 2-0, and both goals were own goals. Both goals were deflections. Uh, cruel, well, one was a, a cruel deflection. The other one was just a really poor piece of defending. So 2-0 down, uh, coming up to the seven-minute mark, to the United States, who have had two fast breaks and converted 
due to us twice. So quite incredible start and a quite a poor start for the, the New Zealand football team, the football ferns. We have uh, got a lot of text here. Uh, what a good bugger Matt Henry is. Absolutely, you'll get no debate out of me there. Um, <coughs> Dan has come in after witnessing how Santner was picked for the first test uh, with no first-class grounding, uh, his first one, and forced to learn at the international level and ultimately never quite uh, getting there with the red ball. Are we in danger of falling down the same trap with Ravindra consistently being picked in squads and not getting game time at the lower level to learn his craft? Interested in your thoughts. Well, good thoughts there, Dan. Uh, Ravindra, because of the nature of the pitches, uh, uh, if we're looking at his development, um, goodness me, America might go up 3-0 here. Uh, I'll keep an eye on that. Uh, he, uh, Ravindra's in the, no, they didn't, uh, in the same boat, uh, really, as, <coughs> as Santner in that regard, as an upcoming all-rounder. Uh, but, of course, uh, we won't be picking um, Ravindra on these green surfaces. It's as simple as that. So as long as they keep making these pitches, these green pitches, there's no spa space for a guy who's even a part-time spinner. Um, and and uh, really, you know, until they decide that uh, maybe de Gronholm's time is up and we don't need a seeming number seven uh, who can bat a bit, then uh, they won't be going with Ravindra, I promise you. And I doubt very much uh, they'll change. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if they need Trent Bolt for this test match, to be honest. I mean, I know that's a big call because uh, he's fantastic. But I don't know. I don't know if they'll pick him. Uh, hi, Smithy. Uh, you asked last week who would step up. Would it be fair to say uh, outside of Matt Henry's heroics, the whole team stepped up, which was heartening. No doubt about that. Henry Nichols, absolutely outstanding and fantastic. Uh, and Tom Blundell doing exactly what we wanted him to do, cash in on a, a strong start and make sure it's not wasted. Absolutely perfect. Uh, it just worked out so well. Uh, good morning, Ian Smith. Zaid here. I uh, love Nick, Nico Porteous' goal score of 93 to win the half pipe. Uh, it's just uh, great. The Highlanders 26 to uh, Chiefs over the Highlanders and the Crusaders uh, winning as well over uh, over the Hurricanes. Also, um, wire-to-wire wins, etc. for the New Zealand cricket team. Chelsea beat Crystal Palace. Tottenham upset over Manchester City. Mate, Zade, now you're talking. Uh, that was uh, some result over the weekend. So thank you very much for those updates. Uh, more text uh, throughout the morning. It is time for the news here at 9.30. The first run of three for New Zealand's Nico Porteous. Nico, known for bringing some big spins here in the middle of the pipe. So you see that switch, double cork 10, and then he goes for the 16-20 and does that back-to-back. -back. So both directions, this run is insane. Nico Porti is putting it down. You can hear what Team New Zealand at the bottom of the run thought of that. Let's go. A score on run number one for Nico Porteous of New Zealand of 93. Ooh. The lead. In this Olympic final, congratulations to Nico Porteous of New Zealand. Confirmed as the Olympic champion of halfpipe here at Beijing 2022. Nico Porteous. There's a new athlete on top of the summit of men's free ski halfpipe. World champion in 2021 and now Olympic champion. Nico Porteous of New Zealand. 
Well, New Zealand's most successful Winter Olympics campaign, without doubt, uh, came to a close last night with gold medalist Nico Porteous, the flag bearer for the closing ceremony in Beijing. It's uh, around 4.30 in the morning in China now, so uh, we won't wake uh, Nico up, but we've not done the next best thing. Uh, we've managed to get hold of perhaps the proudest mum in New Zealand. As we speak, Chris Porteous, uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us this morning, and I'll bet the smile is still widely on your face, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was a pretty good weekend. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, it, uh, it's an outstanding weekend. How cool to see Nico carrying the flag too in the last uh, the closing ceremony last night. Well, I have to admit, I didn't wake up to watch that. I needed a little okay. bit of sleep, uh, but um, yeah, I did wake to some uh, videos. On my phone this morning, uh, Tommy sent me some videos. Yeah, so that was great. It was it was a nice way to wake up to. Uh, great with uh, Nico, but of course Miguel. I mean, to have two to have two uh, competing for us in the same event, it's it's quite unique actually. Uh, so obviously Nico, the favorite the favorite for you, but uh, a favorite for all of us because <laughs> I don't of know about that. No, 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 going into the event, we're talking here. We're talking oh, yeah. here, going into yeah. the event. We're talking on yeah. form here, Chris. That's all. Uh, I'm never, ever, for one minute, suggesting he's your favourite two sons because Miguel was born four, first, and I know what mothers exactly. are like with first-born sons. <laughs> yeah, first-born, always the favourite, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah. so. Uh, what, but uh, what, what, a great th- what a great thing they have, though, to going together. I mean, they're travelling the world um, as brothers and mates, and you could just see... Uh, how fantastically close they were uh, the other the other the other afternoon when uh, it all came to pass. Yeah, look, they they have a special relationship for sure, um, and to be able to do the things they do together is it's it's lovely to watch. It is it's it's I think it's every parent's dream to see you know your two offspring actually enjoying each other's company and having great fun it's yeah it is it is special but I think it's not as rare as you might think you know we only have to go back four years and it was the two Wells brothers that were both in the final um yeah so I think New Zealand has they seem to do it in brothers don't they there's Hank and Finn Billis both accomplished skiers in their own rights you know the Wellses um yeah, Miguel and Nico, and I think there's even some younger brothers coming on through. So maybe, yeah, history will repeat again. It is amazing, but uh, and we've had, you know, we're just just not talking about um, your sport either. We're talking about, uh, you know, across the board. I guess it's because maybe yep. we're, we're quite a small country as well, Chris, that, that this tends to happen quite a lot, that uh, siblings, whether they be males or females, tend up going down the same path, but... Uh, was this a, 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 an easy path for them both to go down? I mean, uh, I, I try to check up on, a little bit more on both of them, Miguel in particular. Did, you homeschooled them, is that right? Yeah, I did. I did, um, just purely because it's, it just made skiing and training so much easier. You know, they have to be on the snow on the good days and to be able to take the advantage of those weather days in daylight hours, um, it just meant that I had to, we had to homeschool, and yeah, that's what I did. 
I mean, most mums and dads uh, do cricket practice or rugby practice during the week, and uh, and then of course you know they uh, they have a Saturday morning perhaps as well. But tell us about a, a typical week bringing up two snowboarding sons. Um, well, they're skiers, just to point that back out, not snowboarders. Okay. Um, oh, I'm but... very sorry. Good. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's no problem. Um, a typical week would be they would ski in the morning. Um, they would come home. We would try and do a little bit of ski work. It would depend, a uh, school work. It would depend on probably fatigue levels of what we attempted to do in that period of what we'd set aside for schoolwork. Um, it sometimes might only have to be revision type stuff because they were so, they were tired. We would do school, they would then go trampolining or to the gym and yeah, maybe I would try and fit in uh, another little bit of schoolwork at the end but some days you just couldn't and one headmaster said to me never let them do their sport and education will be there for them whenever they are ready and once mm. he sort of said that to me I did relax a little bit with the schoolwork and um, and and let them try to achieve what they their goals on snow so tell us a wee bit uh, about this Miguel character, can you? I mean, we know all about Nico, but tell us about um, Miguel, who's a couple of years older. <clears throat> I'm assuming a couple of years wiser, more experienced. Here, is, does he play Big Big Brother when? Does he play Big Brother when they're overseas? Is, I mean, you know, is he the boss? Oh, yeah, of course he's the boss. Um, Miguel has got a he's he's a lovely character. He he's very he's got a very quick wit, and um, you know it's his it was his idea and planning about arriving in business suits, um, the little skits that they video along the way. They're all his creation, um, and Nico just has to play the roles that he's given. Um, yeah, Miguel is certainly uh, has many talents. You must, I mean, pride is a, is a, a word that's thrown around quite uh, quite freely these days, but, um, I mean, you get it in double doses. Uh, tell us a, a, a wee bit about um, what you were feeling. I mean, okay, so Nico was the favourite. Uh, he was holding on to that lead. You watch every single run, I guess. Uh, after that, just hoping, uh, hoping um, that everything comes together nicely. So tell us about how uh, how how the uh, the family handled uh, the situation there on Saturday. I don't think Andrew and I handled it very well. I I did a lot of pacing up and down. Uh, yeah, I, I watched, but I I couldn't actually watch as intently as I would like to watch you know um, and critique everyone's runs but um, and I'll probably do that maybe later this week when Tommy gets back mm. into New Zealand we'll sit down together and do that um, yeah you just want them to to be able to perform at what to a standard that they're happy with keeping in mind the conditions and things and, and to just walk away healthy at the end is is always a huge positive 
Yeah. Well, that was bruising, wasn't it? Because I, I watched, uh, I was managed to watch it post the event, but that was brutal. I mean, there was some really, really ugly falls and etc. And some guys stayed down um, on the ice for quite some time. So uh, that was, uh, I mean, that was just a little different to what you expect. It is, and I think uh, Gus Kenworthy had a very heavy fall on his first hit, and, and there must have been a TV mic um, quite close to where he landed on the deck, and, and you heard the thud of his body hit that icy uh, deck, and, uh, and, you, and it sends shudders through... Um, yeah, through my through my mind of just how sore his body must be, but he miraculously sort of picked himself up and skied down, and then managed to slash the bottom of the pipe. And yeah, you can't tell me that that mustn't have hurt. Well, I, I must have hurt. I mean, it's just crazy uh, the way they found themselves landing in particular areas. That, that was mind blowing, really. Hey, look, we know that uh, they are a close knit bunch. The actual competitors themselves we've seen that we can sense it a uh, great team feeling about the whole deal what about the parents i mean you know those those uh sadowski synnets those horrible snowboarding parents as opposed to as opposed <laughs> oh. to you, ski, you skiing parents yeah those dark those those people on the dark side um yeah yeah i think i think that's probably been one of the positives this year of the parents and supporters not being able to be over in Beijing with the athletes is that we have had to come together and and we have done that and we've all been there celebrating everyone's highs, lows and just actually spending time together that you don't usually do when you're at the at the real event. So it has actually been special and, and I think we've created um, bonds that will be there for a long time. So what now? Um, I've reading an article uh, just before it came on air actually that uh, Nico perhaps thought he might do a bit of an OE and what, what about Miguel? When do you expect to see the, the boys again? Uh, um, well, Miguel was actually going to board a flight to come home um, to, you know, tomorrow. Um, but he's decided that he's actually going to go with uh, a company, Nico, to back to Europe for a couple of weeks, and um, then he'll come home. Then I, I think, and Nico um, has some other commitments overseas, so he'll do that. He'll ride for fun, and I'm not expecting him home till about June or July, maybe, but. If, MIQ changes. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually pops on a plane and comes home for a few days in between things. Well, you sound like a, a terrific mum to me, and it's a, a great testament to what you and um, you and Andrew have been able to do. Uh, I think uh, it's flowed through into the way the boys have become, not just as athletes, but uh, the way they've accepted and the way they portray themselves. So, my congratulations goes to you, um, uh, the parents. I think you've done a wonderful oh. job, and you have every reason, every reason to be as proud as that you are. And and I'll tell you what, the whole country celebrates them as well. So, uh, thanks for your time this morning, Chris, and carry on enjoying it forever. Oh, thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Ah, no, thank you, uh, Chris Porteous, the mum, very proud mum of Miguel and Nico, and I'm going to keep calling him Miguel first because he's the eldest and deserves the most respect.
Uh, so there we go. It is uh, 9.45 here on SCNZ. What a delightful lady. It's uh, easy, isn't it, to see? It's easy to see that these uh, kids, why they, they, they're good at what they do and the way they portray themselves, it's a lot to do with upbringing quite clearly. Um, so uh, we've got these texts rolling in. Uh, what did you make of uh, uh, that performance? Matt Henry also, uh, does he keep his place in the side? For me, he does. But what about you? Uh, what do you think about Trent Bolt coming back in? I mean, what about, Hay- remember, was it Josh Hazelwood, who uh, absolutely outstanding, couldn't get back in because of a fellow by the name of Scott Boland came rolling along and took so many wickets? Uh, so is that the way we approach it in this country? 9.46 here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ken has come in. Smithy, how good is this African side? They look a shadow of the past. And, and uh, for me, keep the same 11. Blues haven't played yet. Crusaders and Chiefs, very beatable, says Ken. Okay. Uh, Zane has come in and said, after five weeks on the sidelines, I'm back out on the fairways of Paraparam. As I listen to the show, Zane, good luck with that. I hope the rest and rehabilitation, I imagine you've been out of part, surely. Uh, so it's just a long game that'll be worrying you, but uh, good luck with the game getting back into shape. Uh, good morning, Ian. Enjoyed your chat with Matt Henry. He seems like a really genuine joker. Well, he is. Absolutely is. No problem about that. Uh, he is as he sounds. Trent Bolt for Mind Mind misses out if uh, available this week. Trent, uh, as you can't pick and choose his way. In the last 12 months, he plays for New Zealand, where Matt Henry has stayed uh, loyal and committed to the job. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, nice opinion. And you're not alone in thinking that. Uh, a lot of people are still of a slightly older school. Uh, that country comes first before everything. Um, but it's a very diminishing group that now I can promise you. Dave from Caracas says, maybe we don't change the team. Leave it as it is. Uh, I think, uh, Chris says, I think if Trent comes in, he should be in for either Colin or Jamison. But surely Henry plays. Um, another one has come in. No-brainer. Drop wags. Bring back Trent. Goose has said, seems silly to say this, but I'd rest Bolt. He has a bigger workload across all formats, so rest him while Henry is on fire, especially at Hagley. Uh, Dino has uh, come in and said, it's simple. You never change a winning team. I've often wondered what's going on in the black cap selection process. It's now clear one guy isn't there, and I fear he has too much to say. Well done, Tom and the troops. Um, now's the time to dig deep and create history without one or two of our best ever. One man isn't bigger than the team, just an observation. Bloody awesome, guys. Now keep that foot firmly on the throat of the Proteas. That is certainly Dean speak. It is 9.53 here on SENZ, a multi before 10 o'clock. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got no Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, uh, the well, well, Washington Wizards, shall I say, beat the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, so that knocked out the, the weekend's one. Otherwise, it went uh, pretty damn well, to be fair. Uh, today, uh, we're running out of time very quickly here. Uh, Napoli to beat uh, Cagliari at football this very early tomorrow morning, and Bologna to beat Bologna to beat Spezia. Uh, at a buck eighty, uh, the other one was dollar fifty three, and Rublev ATP tennis, uh, Rublev to beat uh, Daniel Evans at a buck forty one, uh, so three dollars eighty eight up for grabs on this Monday, and we are eight and eighteen at the moment. They think we're bad. Uh, try uh, the football ferns. They're now down three 0 after thirty eight minutes and fifty four seconds. Can you believe it? Three own goals. I mean, we're looking at history here. 
surely we're looking at history, uh, a historic loss, but in the same manner. And uh, we're about to make a substitution with Rebecca Stock coming on. Uh, and I think that's for Moore. And I think Moore could have been involved in all three own goals. Staggering. Still for her. It's 10 o'clock coming up here on SENZ. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. It is 10.03 here on SENZ in the mornings and the opening round of Super Rugby Pacific is in the books with the Chiefs and the Crusaders coming out on top. They were the favourites and they duly obliged. Uh, there was some good rugby on show for the middle of February, and to have a look at the games is Sky Sports voice of rugby, Grant Nisbet. Uh, th- some things never change, and that's always the case uh, with Nisbo. Good morning to you, mate. G'day, Smithy. All right, there. I was just looking at the. Uh, I don't know if you're running your your, uh, your vision over this, but we're three 0 down in the women's uh, football match, um, and we've conceded three own goals by the same girl. Uh, they've just- I've just taken her off, unfortunately, Michaela Moore, and uh, she's absolutely inconsolable on the bench. It's uh, The Americans love pointing the bone in terms of their television coverage, I can tell you that. But let's get on to uh, uh, the the rugby for the weekend, mate. The Crusaders started uh, as favourites. Uh, uh, they conceded some late tries, but w- what did you make of their performance uh, over the Hurricanes? Oh, look, I think they were probably about uh, 85%, 90%, Smithy. Um, it was a terrific game of rugby. There's a lot of great skill on, on show, under the roof, of course, so uh, elements didn't come into it. Um, I think both teams will take some positives out of the game. I mean, obviously, winning is a big plus for the Crusaders, but they'll be concerned about their penalty count. I think it was twice as many as what the, Hur- uh, the Hurricanes had. And the fact that they let in four tries and they uh, could potentially have let in another three that weren't given... Uh, I think probably rightly they weren't given, but, uh, you know, the Hurricanes were able to breach their defence on any number of occasions. But they were very clinical, as we expect that they would be. When the opportunity arose, they were generally taken. And uh, so I think they'll be pretty happy, the Crusaders. And I think equally, the Hurricanes, even though they lost, will be reasonably happy with their performance too. Yeah, they did. Uh, They came back well uh, towards the end. I must admit, I was sort of watching bits of it um, on my phone and all of a sudden I, I'd almost given up and then I, I came back and someone said, what's the score? And the Hurricanes had come back very nicely towards the end. Let's look at a couple of uh, performances individually. Uh, at the young, two young first fives on show, uh, Fergus Burke and Reuben Love. Yeah, both played really well. Um, I think uh, if you're behind a dominant forward pack, you're always going to look slightly better. And I think uh, Fergus Burke is is potentially a player for the future. We've seen him come through the MPC, of course. And with Richie Moonga not available just at the moment, um, he was the only other option, really. And I think uh, I think he play. He can be very happy with his performance. Ruben Love also. Uh, they've, they've invested a fair bit in this uh, young guy because, um, you know, they've been really lacking in that number 10 area for a wee while. And um, he shows a lot of potential as well. So, I mean, these are guys of the future. There's no doubt about that. The Bowden Barretts and the Richie Moangas are the, are the players of the, of the present. But we need to look at uh, our number 10s coming through. And, you know, a lot of people say we don't have much depth, but I think we saw two players on display there. 
who could in the future have some, uh, you know, have some bearing on maybe the black jersey. Geordie Barrett and Will Jordan, I mean, uh, undoubted two world-class footballers, uh, uh, turned in pretty good performances fresh up. Oh, look, they did, both of them. Uh, Jordan was outstanding while he was there on the field. Uh, Whenever he got the ball, he was an absolute danger. And he created any number of opportunities for the Crusaders, and he looked to be in fantastic nick. He didn't play the whole game, whereas Geordie Barrett did, and he was just amazing as well. He was very, very physical, and um, he really looked as though he was on a mission. So there were two players who uh, came off the end of the year tour um, and have really fired up to the start of uh, Super Rugby. So it was great to see, really. Fyanganuku, Lester Fyanganuku, I mean, undoubted player, um, of course, a terrific player for for Tasman as well, but uh, a hat-trick for him, uh, just adding a, a little bit, I suppose, if the All Black selectors are taking notice this early in the competition, a little bit more to the puzzle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's an embarrassment of riches around when you think about it. You know, we haven't seen Caleb Clark have a go yet, and he's a he's an All Black, um, of course, who didn't play last year, opted for the seven, so... Um, and you've got the incumbent players there as well. So, Fyanganuku, I know my uh, good friend and colleague, uh, Justin Marshall, felt that maybe the All Black selectors should have looked at him for end-of-year tour, uh, which which they didn't, but he certainly played well in the provincial championship. He was terrific in Super Rugby last year, and he's come back bigger and better and stronger. And, um, you know, he's he's powerful, he's fast, you can't ask for much more, and three tries was a great reward for him, and he carries on the way he's playing. He is certainly going to challenge for an all-black jersey. Pablo Montero, a lot of interest there. Pablo Montero uh, coming in, uh, the Pumas flanker, of course, world, uh, world-renowned footballer. Uh, his, uh, his performance uh, on debut for the Crusaders? Yeah, look, he was pretty solid. I think he was very good on defence. I uh, didn't see a lot of him in an attacking sense, you know, running with the ball, but um, I think they'll be pretty happy. Uh, you know, I, I guess he was almost overwhelmed, really, because I was sort of reading the paper, I think it was this morning. You know, he's always sort of watched um, Super Rugby, watched rugby in New Zealand, and now to be playing with some of those guys that he's probably admired from afar for a long time uh, might have been a little bit overwhelming. But, look, he'll get into the groove pretty quickly. I thought he... I thought he made a very good contribution, and uh, as we know, when the when the Pumas beat the All Blacks a couple of years ago in Sydney, he showed just what a world class player he is, and I think that'll that'll come through. Nisbo, the officiating of of that game was uh, of interest to me. We spoke to Bryce Lawrence and said he, he intimated to us that the TMO was going to stay out of it um, on pretty much everything except for tries and. Um, but but uh, tell us a wee bit about uh, the Ardi Savia try being ruled out because they found a marginal knock-on. Uh, what did what did you make of of that ruling? Well, uh, it wasn't clear cut to me. There was a knock-on. I mean, I and I, I don't think it was all that clear cut on TV whether it was a knock-on either. Um, but there was a call that I think came from the TMO. Uh, it, well, it probably wasn't picked up by the referee at the time. They went an awful long way back, didn't they, really? But I, I think at the end of the day, Smith, you still want to get these decisions right, don't you? I, I think, um, you know, there were, there were several instances there where a try was awarded. I think um, Omua's try was awarded. But when they went back and discovered that he had actually had a knee down and then uh, had retained possession, I think that was a fair call. So, look, I wasn't too upset. Um, in some games, you don't, you don't refer to the TMO at all. 
And in other games, you go there half a dozen times and it feels like you're wasting a lot of time. So I think you're going to take the good with the bad. But the bottom line is that we need to get these decisions right. And I think you could argue that uh, Ben May didn't knock the ball on and Ben May would probably say he never got his hand anywhere near it. But you could argue that. But I think in the other two instances that going to the TMO was the right thing to do. Okay, uh, let's, uh, that's the, that game out of the way. Uh, a little bit earlier was uh, the Chiefs and the Highlanders. Uh, this, of course, uh, back in Queenstown during the day. Uh, what did you make of uh, the Chiefs' performance? Oh, I thought they were pretty good, and I think the Chiefs are a team to watch this year without any doubt because they've got undoubted depth. I was just looking at some of the blokes who are roaming the touchlines uh, down there in Queenstown who weren't even asked to uh, put the playing kit on this week. Guys like Anton Leonard-Brown and one or two others. And I think they've got enormous depth, um, just like most of the New Zealand squads, but uh, they just seem perhaps to have a little bit more. They were quite dominant in the first half in Queenstown. They led 18-6, to possibly should have led by more than that. Highlanders came back okay in the second half, but... I just had the feeling that they were never really going to be able to win the game. But, um, you know, 26, I think 16, a 10-point margin. So both teams will take positives, but obviously the Chiefs will take more because they won the game. They tell me you're a Brodie Retallick enormous first up. He was. Yeah, look, he was terrific. I think he'd be the first to admit that when he came back from Japan that he suddenly found uh, stepping into an all-black jersey uh, wasn't quite so easy just to step up in class, but I get the feeling he's worked really hard in the off-season, and um, just one little touch that you very rarely ever see from a middle rower when he was able to set up the try that was scored by Narawa was just absolute class. Very few other lock forwards in world rugby would be able to do that, and he's just got quality all over him, and I think we're going to see a very good season out of Brodie Retallick. Only really Richie Moonga of the superstar bracket, I think, that uh, really wasn't that, that apparent. There were some that didn't play, but there's some certainly uh, who are intending to play very early on in the competition. Uh, but it's a, a little bit different to uh, previous seasons, do you think? Uh, there is just a little bit of urgency about the players themselves uh, wanting to get involved early this year. Well, I think that's true, Smithy. I think a fair few of them have got a fair bit to prove after the end-of-year tour. Um, those two losses to Ireland and France showed some deficiencies in the All Black setup, and players will be aware of that, and some of them didn't exactly cover themselves in glory, and I think they couldn't wait to get back, get their um, you know Super Rugby jerseys on and try and prove otherwise. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that is absolutely the case. And those who didn't play will be itching to have a crack, I'm sure. Um, managed minutes, as we know, the guys were coming and going at fairly regular intervals. And uh, we saw it in Queenstown. We saw it in Dunedin. But um, those blokes who are established All Blacks, etc., etc., have a lot to prove this year because this is one year out from the Rugby World Cup and this is the moving year, if you like. This is when Foster and company have really got to uh, cement some of the places in this all-black team because it's too late this time next year. And um, so these players really want to get out there and prove themselves. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, we've, we've spoken, I know you and I have had a conversation with a couple of uh, selectors over the years that Really, they're more interested in the tail end of Super Rugby because uh, they just want their players 
They're not too concerned about form. They want their players to be fit and ready when they come into camp, etc., when they can get their hands on them. I'm not sure uh, this year if that's the case uh, or can be the case. I don't think there should be as many guarantees uh, as perhaps you just hinted on it there, but Ian Foster, for me, his piece of paper should be a little bit cleaner than normally. Yeah, absolutely right, absolutely right. And, um, you know, this is the year that, um, you know, blokes we've almost forgotten about, you know, the Caleb Clarks of this world uh, can really make a big move. Um, as I said before, some of the players didn't exactly do themselves any favours on that end-of-year tour, and they'll be very keen to, um, to rectify that. And equally, players who didn't make the end-of-year tour We'll be sitting back thinking, wow, I've got a bit of a chance here. So I think you're right. I think Ian Foster and company uh, will be watching right through Super Rugby. It won't be so much at the end of it. It'll be the campaign, which is pretty arduous, let's be honest about it. Eight out of 10 teams, eight out of 12 teams are going to qualify. So just about all the New Zealand, well, certainly all of the New Zealand teams on the evidence of what I saw, should be able to qualify. Um, So there's plenty at stake for sure. Okay, let's uh, just pop across the Tasman ever so briefly. Uh, Favourites getting up over there. What did uh, what did you see from uh, Fiji and Drua in particular? Uh, beaten by the Waratahs, who have been pretty woeful lately. Uh, what have you ma- What yeah. have you made of those those uh, particular those matchups? Yeah, um, look, the Waratahs did enough to win. Um, I think I think in Drua, obviously, we're going to be struggling in their opening game and. Yeah, they were they were okay, and I, they'll get better for sure. They'll get better. Um, Waratahs uh, under a new coach, etc. Look as though they um, have found a little bit of mojo, and you know that we all know that they didn't win a damn game last year. Uh, they kept uh, quoting the number of days it had been since the Waratahs had last won a game. So let's wait until they they play somebody half decent. Um, the other two games were uh, interesting. It was it was pretty difficult in in Brisbane. The Reds won. It was a fairly doer sort of a game over over the Rebels, uh, but conditions were not that easy. But they looked to be a really well drilled team, the Reds. And if I was uh, if I was looking at the Australian Conference at the moment, I'd say they're the team to beat. Even though the Brumbies did sneak a win yesterday afternoon. Rather fortuitously, really. I mean, the Western Force had them. They scored a try with two minutes to go and then made silly fundamental error of booting the ball down the middle of the park. And uh, the Brumbies came back and won the game. But the Brumbies weren't that impressive. But I think the contrast between what we saw here and what we saw in Australia was fairly marksmithy. And it uh, was pretty yep. much what we saw last year, that the New Zealand teams just looked to be playing the game with more skill and more pace. Status quo then, Nisbo heading into this weekend. Uh, Crusaders, Highlanders, uh, Blues, Hurricanes. Uh, so that, that'll be good to, to get the Blues on deck. Really looking forward to seeing what they've come up with. A lot of people talking about them this year. Yep, yeah, they are, absolutely. And um, I think most people were saying at the start of the season that they put them in there as, uh, as favourites along with the Crusaders to actually win this thing. But so far, we haven't been able to see them. Obviously, their match against Moana Pacifica was um, was postponed this week, so they didn't get the opportunity. Yeah, this is a Sunday afternoon game in in Queenstown, so it should be fantastic. Really, a, a really good matchup because I say the the Hurricanes will get better for sure. The Blues will be a little bit nervous because they haven't got much to go on yet, other than a couple of preseason games. So that should be terrific. 
Um, and the other one too is, uh, now this is always a great derby, even though the Highlanders would have been disappointed with their performance. Um, they just love playing the Crusaders. So a couple of really mouth-watering games. Yeah, and the other one, um, we don't quite know whether it'll take place because of COVID, etc. What a nightmare it's been for Moana Pacifica. They were whopped by the Chiefs 61-7 uh, in their build-up. Um, I, I, I'm, re- I'm looking forward to watching them play, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit worried about with everything that's gone on around their camp, if they can be at all competitive. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 hard to know, isn't it? I, I did watch that preseason game, and um, look, they they they, they the, I think the score flattered the Chiefs. To be honest with you, um, there were some really good patches there, but the disruption. You're quite right. I mean, when you have a few guys going down with COVID, it it, it obviously affects the whole party without any any doubt. Not just the players who had it, but you know, their ability to train and all the rest of it. And the very fact that they're a new franchise makes it really, really difficult. Let's hope they can play this week and uh, and get the show on the road and get that first game out of the road. But really, what I saw from the Chiefs, I think they are major contenders for this title. And, uh, you know, they should be too good. OK, Nisbo, thanks very much for that uh, comprehensive uh, review of... Uh uh, the weekend's rugby. Um, look forward to catching up with you uh, some stage shortly. Good on you, Smithy. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Grant but as always, um, eye on the pulse, uh, finger on the pulse, eye on all the happenings uh, in rugby around the country. And uh, I agree with him. And that just that uh, little bit more urgency about the players early on in this competition, I think is going to be apparent. Um, and the need to impress uh, certainly greater. It's uh, just uh, after half time. No, it's just still at half time, and it's uh, 3 0, of course, three own goals uh, that the football fans are behind at the moment. We'll keep you updated. Some PGA golf going on as well. Joachim Neiman had a three shot lead uh, about 10 minutes ago. He looks good to win the latest PGA event. It's 10 20. We'll be back uh, with a panel very shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Well, the panel today consists of Jamie Wall and Patrick McKendry. And I'll begin with you, Jamie. Super rugby over the weekend. Uh, anything that uh, you saw surprise you or uh, was it just sort of status quo? Yeah, good morning, Smithy, and good morning, Pat. Uh, no, it went pretty much according to plan. I mean, the main thing uh, for me was that it actually just got off to a good start. Both of the, the New Zealand um, fixtures were very watchable games. Um, I think uh, I have to probably agree with what Nisbo was saying just before. The Chiefs probably deserved to win uh, by more there. Uh, and uh, the Crusaders and Hurricanes game got a little bit um, messy, well, at least from a Crusaders point of view, towards the end there. Uh, but um, I think any any... Talk about the potential week um, or uh, without Richie Richie Moanga in there uh, is pretty premature, given that um, they gave Fergus Burke a, a great platform to work with uh, in that game. So, yeah, it, it went pretty much according to plan. Um, I had a had a look at the Australian games as well. Um, I think the Brumbies and the Force, you know, had a pretty exciting finish there yesterday. But other than that, it was it was um, pretty hard to see any of them troubling. Uh, the New Zealand teams uh, down the track. Uh, and then uh, the draw on Friday, well, it, it just kind of showed um, just how much of an uphill battle it is going to be for the new teams uh, on Friday night. But I think the real the real uh, question over the weekend 
um, was some of the officiating, given that we'd been told last week uh, by NZ Rugby that the TMO was going to be taking a bit, of, bit more of a back seat. Um, and then in that game between the Hurricanes and Crusaders on uh, on, on Saturday, we, we saw him um, uh, jump in every, every moment he could. So not really sure what was happening there. No, well, that's interesting because I, I totally agree with you. Uh, we, we spoke at length to Bryce Lawrence and he said they will not come in uh, unless they are asked to as such. So uh, that is indeed uh, an interesting um, uh, review of that. Uh, Pat McKendry, what, how, did, how did you feel about uh, the rugby action you saw? Uh, g'day, Smithy. G'day, Jamie. Uh, look, I enjoyed it. Um, firstly, I think um, both the New Zealand games have played at a high tempo, uh, you know, which is obviously good for the, for the viewer and spectator. But, um, you know, the game, games under the roof in Dunedin are always played at a high pace and, and um, you know, cutting down on the wasted time in terms of set piece, line out, scrum, it just added to it. I thought, which is, which is brilliant, and it probably created the, um, the the framework, if you like, for you know those late tries for the Hurricanes because you know there were a lot of do- tired men running around that track, and um, and the Crusaders had to had to defend. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot for that match. But uh, in terms of the TMO, I, to be honest, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I think he was um, going going over tries scored, and you know, I, I think we have to get those decisions right. Um, I saw that knock on from that line out um, by Ben May before Artie's try. A couple of phases later, uh, I saw it live, and I, I did think it was a a knock-on, and I didn't think it would be picked up by the officials, but it was, and I'm, I'm happy about that because it, it shows everyone's doing their job. So, look, I don't have any issue at all with with the TMO jumping in um, to to review um, phases when when a try is scored. I think it's important. I think we need to keep doing it. Nice to see some hungry All Blacks at this time of the competition, though, Pat. Uh, absolutely, Brody Retallick. Well. <laughs> Um, he he just sort of uh, started where he left off a couple of years ago. Obviously, he hasn't played Super Rugby for a couple of seasons, but uh, he, he was brilliant. That offload was a, you know, that there was a, hot, a highlights package all by itself, wasn't it? And um, his, his All Black teammate teammates um, Scott Barrett and Sam Wilder played pretty well for the Crusaders too. So. It is good. I think the Crusaders are looking strong. Um, Fergus Burke was was pretty impressive at ten, I thought. Um, but you know, the, the Crusaders have so many weapons, don't they? Um, if, if they are under the cosh a bit, they just go to their set piece or driving mall, and it's it's very very difficult to um, to counter that for the opposition. It is uh, ten thirty here, which is news time. Uh, Jamie Wall and Pat McKendry will stay on after the break, and we'll talk about another uh, two or three issues that have. Uh, cropped up over the weekend. Uh, here is Emma. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Patrick McKendry is with us this morning, and uh, so too is Jamie Wall. And uh, Jamie Wall, you cannot get much more convincing uh, than the Black Caps, as poor as South Africa seemed to be. Yeah, well, I remember we talked about it last week, and we all... We're all quite confident of a, of a, of a Black Caps win and a, and a series win here, but uh, I have to say I wasn't expecting it to be this emphatic, uh, to be all over um, before lunch on the third day. Uh, I have to say I'm just incredibly disappointed with, um, with South Africa uh, first up. You know, that's a team that uh, I've grown up watching as being an elite 
test side, uh, the, the Black Caps have never really come even sort of close to beating in a series. And now to watch them just roll over like this is just embarrassing, really. But at the same time, the Black Caps had to deal with what was put in front of them. And, and well done to Matt Henry. You know, um, it just seems like uh, when you give uh, a guy a chance in the Black Caps now, they, they take it with both hands. Um, I guess the bad news for him is that the policy is that if you get um, record best figures, um, you then <laughs> get dropped for the next game. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting call for the selectors to make um, on on that one. Um, but if there's one thing I can say about that is I wish they'd just taken a lunch break and just got straight into the second test and um, it'd probably all be over by now yeah. and the South Africans would probably be going home, which is what, obviously what they want. Funny, actually, I thought exactly the same thing. Why didn't they just uh, put the stumps back in, the bales back on, the pitches hardly been used, and just go again. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure South Africa wouldn't mind doing that, to be fair, because quite clearly they don't want to be out there, uh, or they don't want to be in the first test. Uh, so, yeah, quite quite amazing. So, Pat McKendry, uh, do you keep, uh, I mean, bearing in mind it's on the same type pitch conditions, do you keep Matt Henry, or do you say, thanks, Matt, uh, we'll call you when we need you again? Uh, <laughs> no, you have to keep Matt Henry. Well, I certainly would. There's no way you could let him go after that performance, um, you know, man of the match um, and a completely uh, emphatic victory, as Jamie said. Um, you know, we, we saw what happened with Ajaz Patel um, dropping him before the before that Bangladesh test and which the, the Black Hats lost and, you know, a bit of a weird one. Um, so, no, you, look, you, you, can't, you can't be tinkering with a winning formula. Um, and... The Black Caps play so well on Christchurch, obviously, and, and all the Cantabrians seem to, to play very well there in particular. So, no, Matt, Matt Henry staying in that team for mine. OK, uh, let's uh, go a little bit uh, colder, shall we say. Um, Jamie, look, I, I watched uh, Nico. I've got to say, I was, I was freezing through the TV. They were extreme conditions. What a performance. Uh, yes, yes, well done to Nico. Another golden moment um, for the... Uh, New Zealand Winter Olympic team. Um, but uh, to be honest, um, my heart goes out to the poor guy in the long-distance ski race uh, this morning who froze his penis. Uh, that, <laughs> that was really the one that caught, caught my eye. I hope he's okay. Um, but to be honest, Smithy, I, I have to say, uh, it's been three weeks now, and I haven't wanted to be a grunch about this because of the success that New Zealand's been having at this Olympics, but I feel like in time, the Beijing Winter Olympics of 2022 is going to be remembered for all the wrong reasons. I mean, you've got the the Peng Shui situation that fed into this whole this whole thing. You've had an incredibly restrictive environment around the media, which you're not hearing about because obviously that's what they're doing, but you're going to be hearing about it when they get back. Uh, and you've got that doping scandal um, from uh, the Russian figure skater Camilla Vileva, which all all of those things on their own is enough to cast like a, a massive shadow over this, this event um, and what the IOC is actually up to and where their values are. Uh, and I think that, you know, we can, it's fair enough to be proud of Nico and Zoe's uh, efforts um, in, in, in the games themselves. But if we ignore the bigger issues uh, that are going on with this Winter Olympics, we're kind of doing it a bit of a, a, bit of a disservice. What, what, um, what measures can be taken, though? I mean, we know who the powerhouses are, Jamie. I mean, until the balance of power shifts, I, I don't see anything like that changing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, you know, it is it is hard to see how things are going to change because it's got to a point now where stuff like this can happen and they're just happy to let it happen because they know people are going to turn their TVs on. They know sponsors are going to sign the checks. 
Uh, and um, yeah, I, I think it's just a case of just keeping on talking about it, um, keeping it front of mind for people. So there will, there will be a point at some stage where people just say, this is enough. You know, there, there are more important things out there than watching people go fast down a hill. Uh, let's uh, look at, uh, from your point of view, uh, Pat, um, will you, when you look back on Beijing, will you remember those performances? Will you remember from a media point of view uh, the other yeah. side of it? Well, I'll remember um, probably Zoe and Nico's performances. You know, obviously he's a New Zealander and, and um, pretty proud one looking at uh, our athletic exploits. But, you know, they were pretty amazing performances and uh, difficult conditions at times, especially uh, at the weekend with Nico. It looked like you know, that whole event like an accident made to happen, didn't it, at times? But um, in terms of the IOC business, well, uh, yeah, I mean... I'd say I'm fairly skeptic, skeptical about the IOC, but I'm probably more now, but probably a bit cynical because you know the corruption flowing through that organisation is, is is fairly extensive, isn't it? And um, in terms of that, I agree with Jamie. Um, it does leave a bit of a sour taste, um, but you know, things may change. Um, you know, we've seen some fairly high-profile stories around uh, FIFA. Um, organization and football and, and how to hand out World Cups and things, which is, you know, that's a story by itself, isn't it? So, you know, hopefully things will change much, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath. Well, it's the year of the Warriors quite clearly uh, too, Pat, because uh, they've managed to knock over the Storm in <laughs> pre-season. Uh, just write it down, playoffs, n- n- absolute certainties. Again, it's, it's, it's the Warriors' year, isn't it? Um, yeah, I... I I'm not sure about that, Smithy. Obviously, I know I know you said that tongue in cheek, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just wait and see. They they uh, invariably never fail to disappoint, do they? Although you just never know. Um, funny things happen in sport occasionally, a bit like the weekend when when Tottenham Hotspur beat Man City at the Etihad Stadium against all the odds after three uh, three losses on the bounce, they went in and beat the defending champions in an incredible performance. So you just don't know. But for the Warriors to to string a season of success together, I doubt it. You doubt it? Okay. Uh, you doubt it, you. Uh, okay, let's uh, <laughs> let's have a look at... Uh, Jamie, from... Uh, from your point of view, uh, the Warriors, uh, it's, a, it's not far away. Promising signs, same old, same old, or w- w- are you expecting perhaps uh, something to surprise us? Well, I mean, there's one good thing about this Warriors season, is that, and that's the way that they ended last season. They can't possibly be any worse. Uh, so, you know, the only way is up um, from here. Um, I... I feel confident that they would have had a bit of time to reset uh, over the off-season and, you know, drill into those, the players and the squad that they've got that, you know, OK, we're going to start afresh now. Um, they've had that Reese Walsh situation swirling around, which they probably don't want, um, because I think what that says about the Warriors is that he was only ever going to go there for three years tops and do all the, they were going to do all the heavy lifting for a, for a glamour club, club that he can just come into and be a real star at. Uh, so they need to kind of nail that on their head and perhaps have him, you know, at least show some sort of uh, show of faith uh, in, in the club of where he's at. Um, and hopefully he can come out and 
and just show that on the field in the first uh, first few rounds. Um, he had a pretty good game on, on the weekend. I know it's a trial match, but still, mm. you know, you've got to take all the positives you can, especially when it's Warriors. Um, and, you know, I will say uh, it's the year or it's the Warriors year because you don't want the one year to roll around where you don't say it and it turns out that they, they win it. So it's the year. Here's uh, something just out of left field that uh, just uh, I remember reading about uh, late last week. Uh, it seems there's quite a bit of activity on the front lines uh, in terms of uh, the protesters this morning at Parliament. Does that mean uh, Sir Russell Coots might not turn up, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, I think he's up in some hotel somewhere in Wellington, maybe just uh, with a view of what's happening. I, I, I can't really see him getting too involved with, uh, with, um, with uh, the police down there. Um, so, yeah, I, it's something that's um, it's been a bit crazy to, to think about um, over the last couple of weeks, but uh, hopefully they get it sorted soon. But, yeah, I don't think Russell Coates is going to be um, going to be too involved in um, standing up to the cops. No, I don't think so either. I think it's getting a bit... It's still, yeah, he might be still fundraising too. Uh, Pat, you're dead right there. Um, and Pat, just finally, uh, is this the weekend? I, I'm, I haven't heard too much uh, of the latest, but around COVID, but is this the weekend we finally see Moana Pacifica? Yeah, I think they're playing the Chiefs um, uh, this weekend, aren't they? So, um, you know, fingers crossed for them, a, a new franchise, a new fran- franchise coming together. Um, and it's going to be, well, what a, what, a, uh, what a week it is, how momentous for them and, and various players coming out of isolation and things. It's, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? They're probably going to struggle Moana Pacifica, and they, um, I, I do sympathise a bit, uh, given they would have, um, you know, dearly loved to have played at Mount Smart early on to, to get a bit of momentum behind them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so hopefully um, they can stick at it and, and get a couple of good results this season because, um, you know, I, I thoroughly endorse what they're about, and I, and I hope they do well. Okay, fellas, thanks very much for your, your input this morning. Uh, it was a Russell Coots watch. On in Wellington, it is uh, 10.43. That was the panel. Jamie Wall, Patrick McKendry this morning. We'll have an update on that as well as another panel uh, tomorrow morning. So thanks for that, guys. Uh, interesting to see that uh, that's only 4-0. So uh, apart from the three own goals that were conceded by New Zealand, uh, they've only conceded one more goal in uh, what's been left. Now, an American, I can tell you, an American player has just gone down and there's been all sorts of histrionics about her uh, falling and in the uh, penalty box, uh, <coughs> etc. Uh, now she's up, uh, they carted her off, she was limping badly, and now she's up running around. Guess whose daughter that was? Guess whose daughter uh, that was putting on that show? And would you believe it? The daughter of Dennis Rodman. There you go. 10.44. What a great and fascinating game this has been uh, here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.49 here on SENZ. Now, uh, Logan Swinkles is uh, sitting in um, because of, uh, we'll tell you about uh, uh, about 11.40 this morning. We've got some major announcement here of breaking news. We'll have to play the theme and get into it. Now, I don't care which one of you talk, tells me, talks me through this, John or Logan, but you just whispered in my ear that Gary Stead has confirmed what? I'll take this one, Smithy. Um, yeah. Black Caps coach Gary Stead has confirmed Trent Bolt will not join the side for the second test due to loading. 
in uh, in quotation marks. So no selection conundrum there. Matt Henry will be in, you'd imagine, Smithy, and Trent Bolt will not join the side due to loading. Well, that's bowling loading. That's what they're talking about. Uh, the, uh, the loading, they call it, is the amount of work that they've been able to put in going into a test match. So uh, that puts that to bed, doesn't it? It's uh, an easy one. It's not, nothing to do with uh, selection. It's nothing to do um, with um, form. It's nothing to do with changing a winning combination. It just uh, all of a sudden it's been put to bed very early in the week. So speculation can end on that. Uh, there will be no Trent Bolt. Very, very interesting indeed. Um, uh, Tony has just come in and said uh, on this uh, I must say I was very disappointed in the TMO involvement in the rugby on Saturday night especially after hearing from uh, Bryce Lawrence last week I thought the captain's challenge was gone but it didn't seem that way with the Crusaders challenging every try scored by the Canes I'm not a fan of either team by the way cheers Tony um, yeah interesting so uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that because definitely uh, there was going to be a situation where uh, the game was going to be spe- uh, speeding up, and one of those processes in that was the fact that the TMO was going to keep his beak out of it, but apparently not. That uh, is quite clear over the weekend from what people are saying. 10.51 here on SENZ. No Trent Bolt at the weekend. Loading issues. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Theloveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest well, on, fan. On duty for us. Keep forgetting that damn horse on a horse show. How stupid is that? Uh, Tana Walters has joined us uh, this morning with uh, Louis Herman, what uh, not available. So, Tana, uh, you're on deck uh, over the weekend here on SENZ. And uh, really, uh, quite interesting. The, the big meeting was uh, at Ellerslie, it was Avondale Jockey Club. Um, and their cup was won by a Central District visitor in Hanapara for from a pretty small stable uh, of Josh Short. Tell us about that performance. Yeah, it was a great ride from Ashburn going to Sami. And like you say, a small, uh, he's a young guy too, is Josh Short. Uh, a great well-bred too from down in the Central District was Hanapara. So they, I think they're paying the late fee to feature in the, the Auckland Cup in a few weeks' time. So, no, it was great to get that win for him in the Avondale Cup. But I'm just more happy that I've been welcomed back to your show, Smithy. Oh, no, look, there was never any doubt about it. Louis under severe threat, actually. It's the old uh, Trent Bolt situation with Neil Wagner, to be fair, and, and the other bowlers. I mean, you came in, took your oppo- you took your opportunity, Tainer, and to be fair, uh, Louis' loadings aren't high enough for him to be considered an automatic to come back into the side. So uh, there you go. That, he'll have to put up with yeah. that. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of great performances, uh, the Black Caps were, but what about the Slar Creek? This, this all of a sudden, uh, this Slar Creek could be anything. Well, Lark Creek, I think they've nicknamed it La Freak at the moment too. It's just come back up. Well, it's got three wins in a row now, and it's the, the favourite for the derby coming up again in, in a couple of weeks' time. And... Geez, it's going in the right way. It's two dollars forty or two dollars seventy, I think, uh, for the derby, and uh, it might be one for the girls. I think I said to you last time I spoke, uh, Simon and Katrina yeah. and Alexander, they definitely know how to how to get a good horse going. So, the strike rate trainers at this rate. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for your time, Tana. Second performance, just as good as your first, mate. Don't worry about that. Uh, we'll get across to Paul Mawati from uh, the TAB. Uh, Paul, so no traditional NBA today, but there's an All Star game on. Uh, and also uh, plenty of other action. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we've currently got Team LeBron at a dollar forty. 
Team Durant at $2.80. Team LeBron has never lost uh, the All-Star game. All four times, Team LeBron has turned up. Team LeBron has won. So $1.40 has been picked up by a number of punters. We've got quite a few power plays as well. The most popular so far is uh, LeBron, Giannis, uh, Steph and Joel Embiid to score 100 or more points combined. That's paying $3. Uh, the next best back power play uh, is around... Let just say, oh, each team makes 30 or more threes at $6.50. Had a look at the stats from last season's game. Uh, 31 threes made by LeBron's team, 27 made. Uh, so they weren't that far away last year. And people think that that may strike today. Each team makes 30 plus threes at 650. And the MVP market, I can let you know, mm. no surprises here. LeBron James, the favourite at 450. He has been the best backed with Giannis, second best backed. But there's a bit of specking down the page. $61 shot, Andrew Wiggins. We've seen a little bit of cash for Andrew Wiggins to be the MVP of this All-Star game. I don't, I don't know why, but we have seen a bit of cash go his way. <laughs> Good on you, Paul. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Well, I'm pleased to say that some things never change in life. The rugby league season is well and truly upon us following the first weekend of NRL trial matches. And there were plenty of them to talk about. Uh, Plenty to take away too from the New Zealand Warriors first hit out of the year. Uh, And joining us uh, as he did uh, throughout the first five or six months of our show, I'm pleased to say he's uh, back with us again in his regular slot just after 11 o'clock on a Monday as Andrew Voss, our Sydney breakfast host, uh, and of course, a uh, huge commentator uh, in terms of the NRL number one. He is on both sides of the Tasman. Vossi, good morning to you. Before we start on the trial games, tell me you've got a new breakfast co-host this year. I do, I do. Good morning, Smithy. Good morning, listeners. And he's uh, a man that is absolutely uh, who absolutely loves NZ, and that's from his time with the Warriors, of course. Um, going back to the the early days, uh, but Greg Alexander's my co-host at breakfast. So I've just done my. Um, first day of the second week with Brandy. He's looking a little tired. He hasn't. He, his body clock hasn't yet adjusted to the uh, you know the three o'clock alarm going off in the morning. But um, it's it's great fun working with him. Look, he's a, he's a rugby league aficionado, of course, but he's a sports lover. And you know we're talking all sports today. Even you know Finnish cross country skiers with frozen penises was a big story in our program this morning. So Brandy, uh, dare I say, sinking his teeth into the big stories, so to speak. It would, it would never be a problem with your warm climate in Australia, would it, that, for a male? No, I've never heard that injury, to be honest, and it, it, it makes my eyes water every time I just think about it. Um, incredible pain. I did, he's 24 years of age, this Finnish skier. He was asked, does he think that he'll reproduce any time in the future? He said, no, I don't. So, so he's, he's written himself <laughs> off with his, uh, with his uh, injury. But um, there you go, cross-country skiers. We have a lot of listeners actually say he's probably a bit stiff to only finish uh, 28. But there you uh- go. Ah, <laughs> very, very good. I was I had visions of John Wayne Bobbitt there for a while. I've got to say, but we'll move on, shall we? <laughs> the, Absolutely. The, the, Storm, the Storm and the Warriors uh, united for uh, Tong, for Tonga in their uh, trial match it was a great chance for both sides to 
to blow away the cobwebs with the Warriors winning 30 to 18. What did, what did you make of that performance? Bearing in mind, uh, we're still, uh, what, March the 10th away. Yeah, it, it's very hard. I've got to say, having covered seven of the games, and I'm calling Newcastle v Bulldogs tonight, it, it's very hard to assess team performance or try and, you know, gauge team performance with so many players used. Tonight's game, there are 56 players that will be used. So it's very hard to look at combinations and what have you. But what impressed me most about the Warriors, and certainly listening to Nathan Brown after the game, I mean, physically, I, I, look, I thought they outmuscled. Uh, Melbourne, who no matter who they put in, as, as Nathan Brown noted, they, they play the same style. They step up to the plate. It's always been the mantra of Melbourne. So I take a win over Melbourne in any game. You know, trial, understrength Melbourne. I, I take that win with open arms. And I thought there was some really good signs. And, you know, trials are about unearthing players or seeing players that we don't know about, see if they can handle it. i tell you what, Garrett Smith, he's one of the most impressive players I saw over the weekend of the new contingent. I, I'll be honest, I know nothing about Garrett Smith, but gee, I was impressed by him. Um, with Reese Walsh suspended to start of the year, Chanel Harris-DeVita looks like he'll be fullback. Um, so we're going to see Chanel, you know, in the number one, I would think, for the start of the season for the Warriors. But the main thing is you want more positives than negatives, and the Warriors certainly have far more positives than negatives um, on the uh, in the ledger after that performance against Melbourne. I think they can walk away pretty happy with, with what they achieved there. Warriors' base last year was predominantly Tamworth. Uh, this year, uh, it looks like uh, Redcliffe is going to be uh, home for them, which is, of course, uh, a Queensland base. Uh, I would imagine they'll be pretty well received, though, won't they? They'll have um, everything they want there apart from family. Yeah, well, it's a pretty good setup, and obviously it's going to be a... Look, I don't know what access they get to what um, you know, Redcliffe is, that, is the base of the Dolphins who will come into the competition in 2023. Look, for those listeners, and I can imagine that the majority of our listeners have never been to Redcliffe, I can tell you it's a pretty impressive setup. You're not talking massive stadium, but still, it's a very professional rugby league club. The, the, some of these, um, the older rugby league clubs like North Devils uh, up in Queensland that have, that have played in that second tier are very professional setups, and the same can be said for Redcliffe. So, I, I don't think they're missing out um, in terms of facilities. In fact, you know, you'd probably say what Manly endured for many years at their base on the northern beaches in Sydney would have been far worse than what the Warriors have up at Redcliffe. So, I don't think that will be a hindrance to them. But I still say the sacrifice, the disruption, and I've spent some time with Warriors players pre-season. You know, speaking to blokes like Jazz Tavanga and that about not seeing their families and. And other players who have joined the club who are yet to have an address there, uh, Josh Curran, you know, you pack up, when they, when they moved across to Australia, you know, he was in a rental property, you know, put things into storage, pack your suitcases and you're on your way and, and haven't been back home. It's still, it's still unrest, it's still enormous sacrifice from the Warriors and they've got the admiration of certainly every rugby league fan in Australia for how they've, they've soldiered on and we wish them well this season. Are the Dolphins, uh, in terms of recruitment, have they been, I mean, we haven't heard a heck of a lot over here. Have they been uh, quiet or is there more going home on behind the scenes that we don't know about? Well, they've picked up three from Melbourne, so they'll be a They've got the Bromwich boys on board and they've got Felice Cafusi. So they've taken half of the Melbourne pack, albeit those players are closer to the end of their careers than the start. So there's a little question mark um, you know, are they signing for the future? Well, they, they do need some experience heads. You can't just sign young talent and hope for the best. You do want to have a, a degree of result right from the start. Um, 
So they've done that. They've also signed Mark Nichols out of South Sydney, um, Ray Stone from Parramatta. So they're, they're putting together a squad. Jermaine Osako going across there, New Zealand International, will be playing uh, from the Broncos off to the Dolphins. So they're putting together what would be described as a handy squad on paper, um, but you would have to say, being a realist, if it was to keep up like this, you'd say it's not really a squad for the future. So... Yeah, I think at the moment um, things will go quiet for a little period. Uh, but then um, as the season unfolds, you know, like today Jack Bird's come out at the Dragons. He's unhappy. Like Jack Bird could suddenly now, even though he was under contract, could now be on the radar uh, for uh, the Dolphins. Blake Laurie's another one, a front rower at the Dragons. Um, Corey Oates is on the outer at Brisbane, it would seem. So, you know, there's, there's other players there that, you know, we're going to find out where they stand with their current clubs and, and maybe become targets for the Dolphins. So they're not moving along as fast as I think we all thought they would in terms of recruiting, but they've gone okay. I'd probably score them a, a six or a six and a half out of ten for recruiting so far. The Broncos, uh, always a team that have uh, had quite a good following in New Zealand, it's fair to say, but uh, disappointing. Uh, are we expecting an improved Broncos performance? Uh, they had a hit out over the weekend. Well, they're pinning a lot of hopes, of course, on Adam Reynolds, who's their star recruit. Now, we're being told he won't play in their trial next week against the Cowboys. So he'll have no matches under his belt going into round one with the new club. I can tell you too, Smithy, um, you know, COVID's been rampant through all the squads. Uh, you know, teams like the Roosters, every single player has now had COVID during the off-season. Adam Reynolds at Brisbane, while they've had 80% of players have had COVID, Adam Reynolds isn't one of them. So they're sort of fingers crossed he doesn't get it you know, a week out from the start of the season and then be sidelined. Um, look, the issues from what I saw, and again, it's only a trial performance, and they, they did manage a 26-all draw against the Titans the other night, but defence is still a massive issue. They've got, they've got this enormous bank of young talent and potential, you know, blokes like Selwyn Cobbo, Katoni Staggs coming back from injury, some great young forwards, but defensively, Brisbane have got issues. So they're not going to be a top-eight side while they still concede upwards of 30 points a game on average. And from what I saw the other night, there's still some defensive deficiencies there. There's some, some real promise in the side, but defence, it's a dirty word at Brisbane at the moment. They haven't, you know, that's where they have to pick up to become, uh, you know, a contender where they're expected to be. They're expected to be a heavyweight club, but if you're conceding the points that they do, there's no chance. Manly uh, and Des Hasler, uh, a lot of players, uh, a lot of players at this stage of the season, experimental, etc. But and coaches looking for uh, for something perhaps they haven't seen before. But Des Hasler wasn't mucking around apparently with his lineup and uh, his strategies. Yeah, no, he, he gave um, some of his stuff, like to, 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 you know, to put Tommy Turbo on show, you know, straight away in a, a trial match. Daly Cherry Evans was out there, and Kieran Foran and the like. So plenty of big names uh, played some minutes against the Tigers, and then. Some new faces got a run and excelled as well. So that was a that was a very encouraging performance from Manly. Look, I, I see Manly. I'm not sure about top four, um, but um, certainly in the top eight again. Manly this year, um, as long as they keep Tommy Turbo fit and healthy, if he's on the field, they're a chance of beating any team in the competition. There's no question of that. Uh, just a little question mark on their overall record from last year. When you look at their wins, some, some huge wins against sides outside the eight, but probably didn't chalk up enough wins against the heavy hitters. That's, that's where they have to improve to be an absolute premiership um, you know, contender this year. Well, take a, talk about making uh, an early statement. Uh, the 
the 2021 Premier's Penrith. Uh, they won their trial match 34-6 over the Sharks. Um, tell us uh, how that reflects on both, bearing in mind uh, a lot of the probable starters weren't around there. So that, that reflects, uh, I guess, well on Penrith's depth. But how does, what does it say about the Sharks? Yeah, well, Smithy, for our listeners who missed it, Penrith did not field a single player from their grand final squad. And they have lost a few um, from the grand final players, like um, Kurt Capel and, and Paul Mororowski. They're, they're gone from the side. Um, but what it proved is they have depth. And they're a very happy club. I mean, all the first, the sideline first-grade players were there cheering on these younger players and really, you know, genuinely enjoying what they were seeing. They were reveling in the excitement of seeing Mark Geyer's son, Maverick Geyer, score a try with his, his um, first touch. Uh, Tifai uh, Peru, young half, scored a couple of tries. I mean, there were some really good moments for them. So that Penrith have depth, um, and they've got a very strong culture at their club at the moment. Um, prolonged success for Penrith is my prediction there, based on what I saw yesterday. Cronulla, too, were fielding you know, most of their star side. I made a few of their, their forward starters there. Um, individually, they had some, some good young players. I don't think Craig Fitzgibbon would be, you know, going to the room of mirrors and having a hard look at himself. He would have got plenty out of the trial. But on a depth front, on what we saw yesterday, Penrith in a stronger position as any team in the competition for the talent they have coming through. The Dragons uh, pulled off uh, the comeback of the weekend after being uh, 16 zipped down at one point. <laughs> Do you follow social media? Some, some of the tweets doing the rounds, as Parramatta put on three tries, they were ripping the Dragons apart on their right side, and you know people going, oh, no, and this is in the same week they'd extended the contract of Anthony Griffin, but things turned around, and that, that's what can happen with trials. As you make changes in the side, and they, it's unlimited interchange, um, things can happen, but you know, there's, you've got to admire pluck. I mean, I'll take any result, um, and, and if it comes like that, you, you do have to take some positives out of it, but Anthony Griffin, yeah, he's been around the block a thousand times, and he won't be getting carried away with that. He'll be encouraged by what he sees. He's, he's got. I will say this about the Dragons: uh, they also have a, they also have depth. It's just whether some of the senior players um, and, and blokes that they've signed, like Aaron Woods and Moses Embai, you know, they're taking spots in the roster. Can they still be um, as good as they have been? earlier in their career. That, that will be a big question mark because the young blokes are going to continue to advance. Are the senior players able to, you know, play at their best and be positive contributors to the Dragons? Because they need them be. They need them to be, to be a top eight contender, the Dragons. It can't just be about young talent and planning for the future. The future has to arrive at some stage, if you know what I mean. Vossi, uh, away from the playing side of things, uh We've uh, had to farewell one of our uh, greats in uh, Olsen, Philippina, uh, who would have been playing when uh, you are a relatively young league fan, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. But you've also said goodbye to an immortal and, and Johnny Raper. Uh, who, uh, you know, and, and it's a pretty small club, the Immortals, too. So, Johnny Raper, tell us a, a wee bit about Johnny Raper. Oh, look, it's been incredibly sad also, because, you know, we lost Norm Proven as well. But on Chuck Raper... Um, <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't around when he was in his heyday, but let me tell you, if I could, if I could steer our listeners into watch just one... If you want to know why Johnny Raper's an immortal, I'll pick out one game for you, and there is black and white vision of it. 1963, um, the Kangaroos on tour in Great Britain, they play a match that would be tagged the Swinton Massacre, where they absolutely slaughter the Great Britain side. I think it was 11 tries scored that day, and Johnny Raper will figure in nine of them. And I don't just mean he catches and passes them. I mean, he takes the breaks 
he was ahead of his time. He sure he enjoyed he enjoyed the good life. He liked to drink, but he he trained in a manner which was ahead of his time when players weren't full time professionals. And, and Chook had the natural ability as well to back it up. And, and what a character! And I will say this from a from a personal point of view. And I was just a rookie reporter. You know, meeting John Raker was a huge thrill. But he always gave you the respect if you were interviewing him. He, he would turn up. He would he would always be resplendent, Smithy. You'd have the the suit, the shirt, the pocket square. Yeah, he was a great ambassador for the game as well. And he served rugby league. Uh, far beyond just his playing days as a coach, uh, an official, a selector, and just a lover of the game. You know, he talked up the game at every opportunity. Um, a great man, you could say one of a kind, with Johnny Raper. Um, but, yeah, it's a, a huge loss for the game of rugby league. Well, great to catch up with you, uh, Vossi. Great to hear that you're sharing the workloads uh, early on in the morning. So um, you'll have full of energy when we uh, dial you up each and every Monday morning. Thanks so much for uh, the early input, and uh, we look forward to the next round of uh, pre-matches uh, this weekend. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, well, good on you, Smithy. You've got a six-hour round trip to Newcastle tonight to call the game, but you can watch it, Knights and Bulldogs, and then another full round of trials next weekend. Rugby League's back, baby, in summer. How good is that, Smithy? Yeah. You must be coining it, man. You must be coining it. <laughs> oh, please. I'm just eating the dates off a calendar, Smitty. Come on. <laughs> Good on you, boy. Uh, well, you buddy Aussies, you've always got the sayings. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers, uh, Andrew Voss, the everyone coming in from uh, Sydney for us, folks. Uh, it is 11.19 here on SENZ. We'll be back very shortly uh, with uh, fin- a final update on the football ferns and uh, some other matters too. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. 11.24 and uh, we're heading towards uh, a stump Smithy shortly, but uh, the Football Ferns match with uh, the United States of America has concluded and they went down 5-0 on the back of three own goals in a very short space of time in the first half by uh, the unfortunate Michaela Moore and uh, some pretty desperate scenes of her uh, breaking down out on the sideline and uh, in the dugout, so uh, she'll get uh, a lot of consolation and uh, one hopes that uh, she uh, gets picked in the next side so she can have a good performance uh, and her confidence can come back a wee bit. So unfortunate, the, the, they're calling it the perfect, uh, actually, the perfect hat-trick own goal, one with the left foot, one with the right foot and one with the head, but uh, she'll feel any ping apart from that. The one with the head, she could not do anything about, uh, to be fair. The other two were pretty... <clears throat> just a, a little bit casual, I guess, and uh, the ball ricocheted in the wrong direction. But they go down on the score sheet. Uh, overall, uh, I think it's fair to say, and this was uh, an American side that was experimenting. I think they used uh, around about 17 players in the match, and we might have used about the same. Uh, but they look very, very good, America. They've, they've got uh, this amazing depth, of course, of talent, and uh, that's to say they haven't uh, said goodbye to some of their uh, older, more experienced players either. But certainly uh, in this particular tournament, uh, they looked uh, much, much better than us, and uh, I think 5-0, even though there were three own goals, was probably a fair indication of the two sides. Now, uh, fellas, um, there has been a, a change, uh, for those people interested, there's been a change in the scheduling uh, this weekend uh, in terms of Super Rugby matches, John, due to uh, COVID? Yeah, trying to make sure that Moana Pacifica have as much time as possible 
to try and play against the Chiefs this week. So I think they were initially uh, scheduled to play on Friday night against the Chiefs. Well, they've just got back on the training field uh, after all their COVID cases. Uh, I think yesterday was their first day out again in Queenstown. So they've shifted that Friday night game to Sunday, Smithy, in Queenstown. So no bus trip needed for Moana Pacifica and a couple of extra days. So that means both those uh, other games have been shifted forward 24 hours. So the Southern Derby between the Saders and the Highlanders will be Friday night and then the Hurricanes and Blues will instead be on Saturday night. So just a wee change there. We want to give Moana Pacifica as much chance as possible uh, to get up to be um, competitive, don't we, Smithy? Last thing we want is that preseason scoreline coming up again mm. in the season proper itself. So, um, oh man, they just had it so tough. You know, they only got together early January after all the lockdowns up here in Auckland. They weren't able to train, uh, and then they got the COVID, uh, and then they weren't able to train down in Queenstown. So, I just can't see anything but loss after loss after loss coming more on a Pacifica's way. And I just hope they stay strong and all their supporters stay strong, Smithy. Yeah, well, I think what the, the one thing they might have had in their favour initially was that they were fresh, they were new. Uh, they might have had a slight element of surprise, John, and I think that's quite common to sides when they first go into competition. Then, of course, uh, uh, they've had all these things go against them, which was not good, uh, and they've had to uh, change their base before they even really had a base. They had to change it, so that's, that's not good. The other sides are a little bit more familiar with that. Uh, but the, the other thing that also worries me, John, is that uh, these super sides... Um, they're not resting players early. Uh, they're hitting the ground running, and the big boys, the big guns, the incumbents, are saying to the All Black selectors, I am ready to go this year. I'm ready to put last year, the end of last year, behind us. That is not going to work in Moana Pacifica's favour. No, in past seasons they could maybe rely on a bit of rust from the other Kiwi teams, but they didn't look rusty at all. I think both you and Nisbo were right this morning in the panel too. The Aussie teams just look way off the pace, so all five New Zealand teams should probably make the playoffs. And coming back for the Chiefs probably this week is Anton Leonard-Brown. So there you go, Moana Pacifica. Uh, you're facing an even stronger Chiefs team this weekend. So good luck to them. We do love them, don't we, Smithy? Aaron Majors, uh, a great coach, and I love the culture. I love the feeling in that side but it is hard turning up in this New Zealand conference for Super Rugby. It'd be like a, a football team coming out of nowhere turning up in the English Premier League and just trying to win from day one and getting Manchester City, Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham in the first five weeks. Uh, it's just bloody hard, this, this competition. Maybe they should have gone across the ditch, Smithy, and played in the Aussie comp. They could have got maybe a few wins early on. Well, maybe there, there is that, um, but then again... Uh, again, uh, I guess that's uh, clearly going to be the weaker of the two competitions, and we'll see that if they ever get to the fact where they join together again at some stage later in the season. But uh, not looking too flash over there and looking a very, very a tall hurdle to jump for Moana Pacifica, particularly early on in their uh, inception season. So uh, we wish them all the best. It is uh, 11.30 here on SENZ, and that means it's uh, time for the news. But it's also... Uh, time to stump Smithy. 0800 is the phone number. Uh, let's kick uh, the week off on a positive note. One of us will be positive, you or me. We'll see who it is very shortly. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
Yes, that time again where we give away 50 bucks thanks to the TAB and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. It was an eventful week last week. Stumpings everywhere, jackpots everywhere, people taking home lots of cash. And this morning on line one, we have Jamie from Nelson. Good morning, Jamie. Morning, lads. How are you? I am good. I was hoping for a weekend of watching Test Cricket. If any uh, complaints I have, the Black Caps got it done too early. Um, I was looking forward to sitting on my couch all weekend. What did you get up to? Yeah, mate, no, no well, we, we can't grizzle too much, I guess, after that performance. No. Was... But, um, you know, the, uh, the missus was happy. She, she got me in the garden. So. <laughs> oh, I love that. Love that, Jamie. Good man. Uh, so you know how the game works. You get three sporting categories. You choose one, get three questions right, you win all the prizes. But as soon as you get one wrong, Smithy can stump you. So today we have golf, basketball, has been hanging around for a long time, and rugby league. Which one of those do you like, Jamie? Oh, we have to go rugby league. Rugby league. Love it. Are you impressed by the Warriors' preseason win over the storm? Oh, no, that's only practice, mate. You can't get too excited about that. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. You've got to get excited. Anyway, let's go. Question number one is about the Warriors. Who was the captain of the mighty Warriors, Auckland Warriors they were, for the inaugural NRL season way back in 1995? Um, it was Pom, wasn't he? Well... I can't confirm or deny, actually. Dean Bell? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Well, Smithy, you come in with he was a palm, and then you say Dean Bell. So what's going on there? I'm not sure. I thought Dean Bell was related to Clayton Friend. Uh, you don't get more Kiwi than that, do you? Exactly. He's sure Kiwi through that. and through. I mean, he did come over from England, but he's a Kiwi. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, come up, he's come up with come up with the right answer, so we'll take it. Okay, take it. we'll he's take Nelson. it. He's All right, Nelson Jamie. Boy and we're honest. Yeah, that's right. Born and bred, eh, Smithy? That's you. How long did you live in mm. Nelson, Smithy? About six weeks. <laughs> Fins up, Smithy. Good stuff. All right, question number two, Jamie. In last year's NRL, who was the leading try scorer? Oh. Uh... Uh, maybe someone from the storm. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Give me someone. Uh, oh, no, idea. no idea. No idea. Uh, Josh, Josh uh, Papri. Uh, what's his name? The fullback from the storm. Ryan Pappenhausen. Pappenhausen, that's the one. I thought you were going to give me some hot spice tips, paprika. But no, Pappenhausen. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Chance for a stumping, Smithy? Trebojevic. Tom Trebojevic. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Yeah, it would have got me as well because Turbo was so good for Manly last year but he didn't play enough games. Uh, I think strike rate he would be right up there but it was Alex Johnston. 30 tries for the Rabbitohs. Um, quite okay. amazing. Wow. So still yeah. alive, Jamie. Last question, mate. Get this right. You get all the prizes. The Kiwis won the Rugby League World Cup for the first and only time back in 2008. But how many times have the Australians won the Rugby League World Cup? Oh, um. 
One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not totally convincing, Jamie, and it is incorrect. So, Smithy, Rugby League World Cup, the Kangaroos dominate it. So how many times have they won it? Well, that's a very good question, John. Um, I'm, I'm thinking to myself that they probably have won it every other time. Uh, it's a question of how often it's been played for, and I'm not quite sure about that. So I'm going to go for. Smithy, are you, are you there? Yeah, four. Oh, four. You're going to go for four. Yeah, One of the worst yeah. things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Eleven. Eleven times they've won the Rugby what? League World Cup, which means, Jamie, you don't get the sleep drops, but you do get 50 bucks from the TAB. So well done to you. Great way to start the week. Thanks, boys. I need that. I'm, I'm at zero. <laughs> You're at zero. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm minus 50 now, courtesy of that. So, hey, Jamie, hang on the line there. The lads will... Uh, uh, Jacob will get your details this morning. Uh, Jake filling in for Brian. So, uh, yeah, uh, stay on the line. We'll get your details. Get that fifty bucks to you as soon as possible. And incidentally, John, uh, here's a good story, you guys. Uh, over the weekend, I went to a wedding, um, and uh, I was sitting at my uh, place and and in uh, the table. But before I went to sit at the table, this bloke came up to me. A lovely guy came up to me. And he said, "Look, here, here's a box of chocolates. Remember, I owe you these box of chocolates." And I said, "Box of chocolates? Where are you, mate? Box of chocolates?" Well, it turns out that this very same gentleman, who uh, I shall, because of him, uh, remain nameless, I'll let him go on that, but he was the guy that won last year's end-of-season punt, you know, the inter-team competition? Oh, yes. Yes. So, um, lay me down, he's at the same wedding as me. He won 1030 bucks. He was thinking, oh, I might get, you know, I don't know how much I'll get, and his wife was saying, well, it won't be that much, because he's not really a big punter, so it won't be that much. He said, Maybe, I don't know, thing. He, he got 1030 bucks. told me he's bought himself a lawnmower and a, a bit of a, a line trimmer as well uh, out of that. Uh, so that that's the big thing. But I had him on. I said, well, I'm waiting for the box of chocolates. Remember, uh, when I came back in the new year, I said, I'm still waiting for the box of chocolates. Well, he delivered them at the wedding. How's that for a cool story? Uh, and what a small world. I, I, I swear on the Bible that I had never met him before uh, Saturday. And he uh, he won it. So it was a great story, and I thank him very much for the box of chocolates, which, incidentally, uh, I left on the table at the wedding. It's 11.39 here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.44 here on SENZ, and I can just give you an update on the latest PGA tournament. Uh, Joachim Neiman has, at this stage, a three-shot lead uh, and uh, the latest event from uh, a young player I've never heard too much of, Cameron Young, who has just hit his wedge straight in the hole uh, to close the gap to three. It'll be his biggest paycheck, and Morikawa and Scott and Hovland, very familiar names, fill the next three places. So that's the latest on the PGA tournament. Around about 40 minutes to go on that staff. He might give you an update uh, on the final placings uh, after midday. But we have big news on this show, and uh, sad news, really, um, because uh, John Day has... Uh, made a decision, John, over Christmas, the new year. You've made a decision. I have, Smithy, unfortunately, and I have been here since day one uh, at ECNZ and bloody enjoyed it, actually, and putting all together a whole new station and a whole new show and bringing in everything together. But I feel like my work here is done, Smithy, and I can <laughs> leave the show in a, in a, in a good stead, uh, better than when I first found it, because it didn't exist. 
Uh, that's what they always say in sport, <laughs> isn't it? You leave the jersey uh, to someone else, and I will leave that to Logan Swinkle. So this will be my last week as producer. Uh, Thursday will be my last show. And heading, uh, yeah, heading back to sports journalism, Smithy, to get on those Zoom meetings and ask those questions to coaches and players and things like that, and so they can get annoyed with me. So that'll be the end of me, Smithy, um, producing your show. It's been a bloody blast for the last, what, six months has it been? Seven, eight? Um, we've talked all, yeah. Yeah, all sorts of sports to all sorts of people. Uh, T20 World Cups, Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics. We've done it all, really. So, um, yeah, it's been a bloody good time, but it will be my last week. That's your last week, so you'll be finishing, um, I understand, on Thursday, is that right? So uh, Friday morning you'll be a bit of a mess because you'll just, uh, out of celebration, you'll be able to head, what, start at the Paddington and just cruise <laughs> around Auckland uh, and just slowly forget about the fact that you ever worked here <laughs> in a short space of time. Um, so, yeah, John, I mean, it wasn't a real challenge for you because, of course, your history wasn't as such as a... As a radio producer, it was breaking new ground for you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd never done producing before. I kind of had a feeling about what it was like, and yeah, it, it came to be so. Yeah, you got to annoy a lot of people with a lot of texting, a lot of phone calls through all hours of the day. Um, uh, very challenging. I quite enjoyed it, though, and putting together shows, and hopefully people um, have enjoyed them along the way, but I just feel like my, my true calling is, is back uh, doing a bit of reporting for radio. But I do expect the uh, text to come uh, from Logan to jump on the panel from time to time because I know that's always yep. a tough one to fill, so I don't think it'll be the last time you hear my voice on SENZ this week, but uh, it will be my last time as a producer full-time as such. Yeah, very, very sad from uh, from our point of view, John. I mean, because you started from day one like uh, the rest of us and uh, sad that you, you wanted to move on. But I, I guess um, uh, in terms of, as you say, putting together a show and having to ring people at all hours of the night around the world, etc., um, it, it's it's quite challenging. And, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't aren't going to say yes all the time. So it'd be, it would be quite tough with me. I haven't had to do it myself. Yeah, it's just it's frustrating more than anything because you have a great idea about what the show's going to look like for the next day and you get home um, early in the afternoon and you start texting some people and you don't hear back or you do hear back saying they can't do that time, they can do another time and all of a sudden your best laid plans are all thrown up in the air and you're working most nights uh, trying to get the show together. And so I just thought with a young two-year-old at home, it's just time just to go to work, do work, come home and do home stuff. So nothing personal to you listeners, nothing personal to you, Smithy. And Brian, great paneler as well. I've enjoyed the team and I think we've got a great team as well. And I think Logan will come in and just pick up the ball and, and run with it, just like William Webb Ellis. So I, I think this show will go from <laughs> strength to strength. Um, but my work here is done. Yeah, it's a bit like Quantum Leap. You know, when he when he got it done and then he just disappeared off to the to the next uh, stage that needs him. So I'm like uh, Sam from Quantum Leap. I'll just disappear to another part of sporting media. But I'm almost 40 years old, Smithy. I've got another 30 years in sporting media. So uh, I've, got, I've got to do the rounds. I'll work at, I'd say, every single sporting media outlet in New Zealand. So look out Sky, look out TVNZ. You're on my hit list over the next 30 years. Hey, John, uh I mean, one of the uh, you know one of the things that the, the job you go back to perhaps is um, is dealing with the superstars that you know they on the field the the coaches and that sort of other ones that you generally have to interview etc. You don't often uh, interact uh, with uh, those people around and uh, I mean Chris Porteous this morning we spoke to Chris Porteous, um, mother of uh, Nico and Miguel and we've spoken to a lot of uh, mums and dads uh, over the time that that you've been here. 
for me, that uh, personally, that's been one of the great revelations about this job. Yeah, really enjoyed that because well, that throws it at you when you're a producer. You're like, right, I'd love to talk to Nico. Right, it's four thirty in the morning in China. We can't speak to Nico. Well, where do you go? So um, we spoke to Zoe's dad before the games. I thought that was a, a good idea uh, rather than after his daughter won gold because we know he's not safe for radio afterwards. Um, so to speak to the young Winter Olympics parents and Paul Cole's uh, parents, both on the phone at the same time after he won the British Open. Mm. So they, they were really cool moments. And what I've loved about this job, Smithy, is when we get contemporaries of yours on the show and old mates of yours, like we had Michael Atherton recently, Ian Healy, a couple of times we've had Adam Gilchrist and just hearing you, we had Sir Richard Hadley, you and Sir Richard, that was such a good chat and you can still find it on the podcast, just hearing you going down memory lane, Smithy, has been an absolute joy of this job as well, so now several, several highlights that I'm sure we'll talk about over the next three or four days Yeah we will John, um, yeah we won't let you go easily, I can promise you that we've still got some, some money to give away you've been the host of Star Stump Smithy I'm not sure what we're going to do about that do you think Logan be able to handle that? Uh, I was a wicketkeeper in my day as well, Smithy. Nowhere near to the degree of yourself, but I definitely think I could handle no. uh, Stump by Smithy. Well, I've been looking through the uh, the annals of cricket scores and wisdom, etc., and Swinkles is not a name that you can find very often. No, it's uh, no, it's not a very common name, is it? It's uh, one that I definitely get picked up on a lot, and uh, most people call me Swinks uh, for short, but uh, I come from more of a rugby league background. My uh, grandfather, Sally, passed away a long time ago when I was a, a wee lad. Uh, he played for Auckland, and uh, he was awesome, and so that sort of kicked off my love for sport is hearing all the stories about him, and you know, I'm pretty sure he played first 11 for King's College as well, so... Yeah, rugby league and cricket was kind of my background. And then uh, in my more, uh, I guess, still younger days, but from there on, uh, I've been big on my ice hockey, as you've all probably heard by now already. Uh, Big on my American sports, love my basketball, love my baseball. So uh, I'm pretty keen to cover it all. We look forward to that, uh, Logan, and uh, we'll reintroduce you or further introduce you to um, our show and our guests uh, as uh, the next uh, few weeks unfold. So, Cool. Okay, so uh, we've established that. JD out. Logan in. 